Hello and welcome to episode 269 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and the episodes uh, have been coming fast and furious of late, and uh, for good reason. The World Open is upon us, and this episode is a special one with regard to that. We have a defending World Open champion, three-time World Open champion, winner of the recent British Open, former world number one, and he's in the ascendancy once again. Ali Farag joins me, and the saying that that absence makes the heart grow fonder uh, certainly applies uh, to Ali for me in this case, uh, where he's been away due to injury for a little while. He came back uh, recently, and uh, he's been playing some exceptional squash of late, uh, and it's great to have him back playing at that level. But with Ali playing, uh, playing this way, squash is a much... Uh, better place and uh, the World Open is just going to be absolutely amazing so um, we are going to be talking about all of this uh, today firstly though we'll talk a little bit about his comeback from injury uh, the injury itself uh, winning the British Open uh, then we'll look at the World Open and what it has in store for him and uh, at the end of it all we have what we're going to call the Open Squash Fan Forum segment uh, Open Squash sponsors Ali and they they help out uh, the podcast here as well so uh, today on episode 269 i know you're not going to be disappointed former world number one reigning world open and british open champion ali farag oh you're all changed up and you're in your suit back again i'm sorry if i interrupted the gym session oh no i was just going to say uh you know me being a squash player yeah. too we're, we're all gym rats yeah. right we spend a lot of time i in know the gym. right i know we have to we have to <laughs> yeah, yeah but uh no, anyways, uh, Ali, really appreciate your time. Uh, and uh, oh, thank you. You know, before we get started, uh, just wondering, is the is the little one with you uh, this week? Or no, she's not. She's not. I mean, uh, she's with my mom now at the moment back home. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's uh, the US has become hard as she's growing older now. She is affected by the jet lag, so we feel bad for her to take her all the way to the US. So yeah. she's staying back home with my mom. Okay, well, that that's uh, it'll make uh, the trip home that yeah. more uh, that much more fonder, right? When you get get to see her again, uh, when you go back home. I'm a I'm the yeah. father of yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm the father of two girls as well. So. Oh, nice! How old? Uh, almost your age. Um, <laughs> no, no, twenty-two, uh, twenty-two and eighteen. Wow! God bless them. They're in Dubai as well. No, they were. They grew up more or less. They grew up here, but uh, both back in Canada uh, now. One finished nice. university uh, last year, and the other just started first year engineering, like you. Wow! Wow! Nice. God bless them. Well, uh, is the older one working already? Yeah, she got a job. Uh, uh, she has a finance degree, so uh, she'll be starting. You. This is great. Yes. You're interviewing me, Ali. I love this. <laughs> well, it's good to know it's good to know it, I haven't, i've only they, been on a couple Toronto podcasts we're about in canada yeah uh, <laughs> she uh, uh she um in toronto or where are they uh and uh she's got a job at the mitsubishi financial group it's the uh the fourth largest bank in the world as as i know nice yeah so nice. uh nice nice exciting stuff where but is that in people, toronto or where is it uh, yeah, she, her office will be in Halifax, Nova Scotia, um, which yeah, is where they yeah. used to host the Blue Nose Classic. If I don't know if you remember that yeah. event. Yeah, I do. Allen. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but Ali, uh, fan, I know you're you're a busy guy, and I don't want to keep you uh, from your your day oh, uh, because well, you've got a big week ahead. Yeah. Uh, 
but uh, but you know uh, first of all before we get into the world open and everything uh, i just want to say huge huge congratulations on, on the british thank open you. uh it was absolutely amazing much. um i I, I watched uh you know you your comeback and it really it really was in stages like it, it really looked yeah. like you, you struggled a little bit physically in the beginning and then it just mm -hmm. with every event with every match it looked like you were absolutely. growing stronger and stronger so now that the dust has settled yeah. uh and you've got the british open uh how does it feel no, it feels amazing. I was just talking to Noor the other day, and I, and I think uh, herself and, and the physios and my coaches and, and my parents and everyone around me made me deal with the injury in the right way. I mean, I took my time to feel uh, strong enough to be back on court again. I didn't rush it to be back on court. And then when I was back on court, I was realistic enough with myself to know that I'm not in the best place in terms of injury and in terms of physical capabilities because I've been out for a while, and in terms of squash capabilities, so I didn't rush things, and uh, and there was a clear plan that uh, I want to um, what's the word to build up to the world champs. You know, I uh, uh, I didn't go to Pittsburgh aiming to win it. I didn't go to uh, Black Bull aiming to win it. Obviously, when you're in there, the goal is always to win every single match. But you know, when you put the plan ahead of time, that this is not a realistic goal at the time. And I think I played pretty well in Pittsburgh compared to the training matches, or I didn't even have training matches before I left. And then I played a lot better at Black Ball, a lot better at Canary Wharf, and then maybe Octasia, not the best squash, but then it's part of the process. You have to go up and down. It's not going to be all, all the way up. And then, to be fair, the British Open came sooner than I expected. I mean, I everything fell together in the right place. Uh, even in the very first match against Karim Hamami, I played very well. Against Sherbini, I played well for the most part um, until he got came back uh, strong at me. And then I, you don't play, you don't beat the likes of Tarek Momin and Mezin and 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 Diego where if you're not playing your hundred percent physically, squash wise. Uh, Injury-wise, so I um I, I was extremely grateful to see everything falling in the right place uh, in in one of the most important weeks of the of the season. Absolutely, and uh, that's the way I saw it play out too. It really looked like from mm -hmm. when you came back mm -hmm. up until the British. I mean, you really it really looked sort of like it was mm -hmm. baby steps and was all sort of calculated on your part. Absolutely, absolutely, and and the hardest bit was to accept it mentally that you're not going to be your best because you know I mean you know you, you have better capabilities but you're not able to execute them and it's so frustrating sometimes but I think Noor played a big part there on and 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 the, the the word that you used to use the most was acceptance you have to accept the situation for it to to pass by faster if you start fighting it and if you start getting frustrated uh, day in and day out it's just going to slow down the process and and she'd been through it with her, her shoulder injury yeah. And kind of been through it with, with the pregnancy. Obviously, she comes back with no injury, thankfully. But again, she has to start from scratch. So she'd been through it. And obviously, the the physios and Kevin Darwish and everyone around me put things in the right perspective. So it was uh, it was a very exciting process, I guess. Absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you, like heading into the British, uh, obviously, that's the one for you. I was thinking about it the other day. Roger Federer didn't win... Uh, the French Open until 2009. I know. I think it was, I know. Right? And that, that was the one, you know, no one thought he would win it. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure yes. that that's a big, bit of a big difference. 
obviously, if you're playing your best squash, you're going to win. Uh, yeah. But did you feel, have this in the back of your mind? Like, is, is there something with, with the British that... Uh... Not really. Uh, as I said, I mean, I didn't expect to be at my best and to compete for the title yet. So I didn't... Obviously, again, when I'm there, I want to win it. But I, I wasn't sure I was the best player in the world at the time to be able to compete for the British Open title. Uh, uh, but I guess it's a bit different between myself and Roger Federer. Roger Federer has always been in the GOAT uh, conversation, <laughs> and it was a major goal of his. Obviously, I would have always loved to win the British Open. It was never a major goal of mine. I mean, I go into every season with the goal of winning the World Championships and the British Open. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't. It doesn't it's not going to affect my career. But for Roger Federer, it was going to be a huge deal. It was always going to be like Pete Sampras. Uh, he's never won the Roland Garros, the, the French Open, you know? So it, it was different in that regard. But in, in my case, maybe the fact that I, I was injured, I wasn't I didn't have as much pressure as the other guys. Obviously, Mohammed and Diego went into the week gunning for that world number one. So that yeah. takes a lot of, uh, of pressure to deal with. Uh, uh, Asal unfortunately wasn't there, um, and 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 uh, and everything for me um, uh, went in the in the right direction until the very last day. So uh, uh, it was obviously a, a, a great uh, present for me because it was less less expected than other titles that uh, I thankfully managed to win before. Amazing, yeah, well, it was great squash to watch. Um, now, just uh, just briefly, you had. Uh... I guess what it was called the patellofemoral pain syndrome. Is that that's what? So PFPS. So uh, just exactly. in brief, yeah, describe uh, sort of what the injury was, and and it sort of surfaced uh, at the end of last year, right? Yeah, yeah. So so it's it happens it happens uh, in uh, different ways. I mean, it's it's such a generic term. So many. So Abul Ghar, uh, Yusuf Ibrahim, my, myself. Um, uh, there are other players I can't think of now, but many of us are suffering from the same patellofemoral pain syndrome, but the reason behind it is different from one player to another. Mm -hmm. So basically what happens is that the patella uh, is moving in a groove on, uh, uh, over the, the, the femur, the femur bone, and then it's, it's, it moves very smoothly, and then there is a cartilage underneath it that avoids the friction. But then over time with with the uh, wrong mechanics sometimes this this patella moves out of the 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 line of movement i guess and then it starts uh, frictioning with the femur underneath and friction on friction is really painful but why it happens it's different from one player to another my mechanics were different than abul gars were different to yusuf ibrahim's and what you really do is you try to take uh, something to regenerate the cartilage, but that doesn't really help much. But what you really do is you try to adjust the mechanics and to uh, and to make the squad strong, the the quad stronger. <laughs> excuse me, the quad stronger to uh, uh, widen that gap in the joint space so that okay. they don't friction with each other anymore. So that's what I've been working on almost every day in the gym or on the physio table with uh, with the physios. Um, so basically, I first ha had to get rid of the inflammation because with the inflammation, it was so painful that I couldn't do any work. And then once that settled down on the physio uh, table, then I was in the gym 
doing the rehab, trying to get the quad stronger so that I, I increase that, that joint space. Um, and, and let me tell you, it's an ongoing process. It's never going to go away. The second I'm, gonna, I'm going to slacken off, the second I'm going to have my quad uh, um, uh, weaker or, or, uh, or any of the other muscles that need really to hold up this, uh, this joint are, are going to get weaker, I'm going to feel it right away. So it's an ongoing process as any other athlete when they get injured. It's never... It's never you get rid of it, and that's it. You always have to maintain it. And again, I'm I'm very grateful for the team around me for pushing me every day to to stay to stay on track. Yeah, you mentioned uh, mm-hmm. uh, Yusuf Ibrahim and also uh, your friend uh, Mohamed Abulgar. They both extremely talented mm-hmm. guys, uh, and uh, both of them are back playing. Uh, I think uh, mm-hmm. Mohamed he just lost in the semis in, in Ireland, and he's had a few. Uh, five game uh, marathons mm-hmm. uh, recently, uh, so he's mm-hmm. obviously sort of back on the right track. How how not, how good is it to see these guys also uh, back on the tour uh, along with a guy like Kareem Abdul Gawadev? Really, I mean the the men's game is just uh, it's amazing right now. It, it it is amazing. It is amazing. I was just discussing with Noor on the flight here that the the men's game obviously and the women's game as well. But we were discussing more the men's yesterday how. Uh, unpredictable this world champs is i mean i can name yeah. so many uh, that can win it and you wouldn't be surprised one bit you know it's it's really exciting it's really really exciting but yeah it's great to see all all injured players back on tour because they were all missed in their own way you know they mm-hmm. all have their own flair um they bring a different dimension to the game and and honestly muhammad and yusuf ibrahim especially muhammad abulgar was my doctor during the the three four months uh, i was oh, out because really? wow. he'd been through the process He'd yeah, been yeah. through the process, and and there is a famous saying in Egypt that you you better off you better off asking uh, someone who's experienced it than you ask a, a doctor. So he was really my doctor. Um, he he obviously, unfortunately, his his was a lot a lot more severe than mine that he had to undergo a, a surgery for it, and he had to sit out for almost a year. Um, but the the idea was similar, and uh, just how it plays in your head and how funny things happen and you think, oh, am I going in the wrong direction? So when you had someone who's been through the process and you ask them, is that normal what I'm going through? And he either reassures you that it's fine or he guides you in the right direction and say and says what you need to do. It was very beneficial. So I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful uh, to him. But yeah, I think the fact that we're all back, Karim is back with a bang, uh, winning the Optasia yeah. and, and beating Shorbagi at the British Open. Uh, Abulgar already beating two top 10 players in Tariq Momin and and and, um, and Joel Macon uh, at the Pittsburgh Open. And then Yusuf Ibrahim coming back with his flair, with his, his yeah. explosivity. I think it's I think it's brilliant for the tour. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, how how is Nora doing? I, I know she she hadn't been playing for a little bit. Uh, but it was so great to have her back, and right away, sort of, she she made herself. Uh, uh, you know, she was pretty much a contender uh, up until she stopped. Uh, it's stopped playing. So how's how's she? It's very coming? inspiring, honestly. It's very inspiring. I mean, it, it was always up in the air whether she was going to come back after the pregnancy. We never really discussed it in in depth. We always said it depends on how you feel. And then a couple of months later, her parents. Told her that you need to to get back on on track in terms of of sports, just to have a to get a healthy life back. Uh, you don't want to be uh, in bed all the time with your uh, little one. So she came back in the gym. She enjoyed it. She came back back on the to the squash court. She enjoyed it. Then all of a sudden, she decided to enter the Black Ball Open in two thousand twenty one. 
uh, at the back end of 2021, four months after uh, giving birth, really. It went well, and, and then you know how determined she is, and she's been uh, she's been fighting through it uh, ever since. And and let me tell you, I mean, I know people discuss it all the time, but it really is underrated for not for Noor, for any mom to be uh, back doing a full time job, whether it be um, sports or any other job, because being a mom is is a two time full time job. So imagine doing a third one on top of it. It's uh, in terms, it's a 24-7 job. It's She doesn't sleep as much. She doesn't sleep in the times that she wants to. Um, I mean, obviously, it's getting better now as the little one, little one is getting older and, and things are falling into a better routine now. But uh, it's very hectic mentally and physically, and she does push through it every single day and and for that I'm, I'm i'm very proud and i'm very inspired and i and i learn from him to be honest on a, on a daily basis but then unfortunately in february she was playing well but she tore her plantar fascia oh. uh, uh, thankfully not a total rupture uh, a complete rupture but uh, again she had to sit out for a couple of months and she's only back back on, she's only been back on court for two three weeks now okay. uh, so it's not the ideal preparation for the world champs but again as i said with how determined she is, uh, I know she's going to give herself the best chance to to compete at the highest level this week. Absolutely. And, and she has the type of game that's going to give uh, everybody trouble. I mean, she's so feisty, great shots. Uh, uh, yeah. She's never going to give up. And uh, feisty, feisty is the word is the is the key word here. She, yeah. she never gives up, which is which is good to see. Yeah, but it's all I mean, it's. Not only that, I mean, she has such a, a great so, uh, shot selection. I mean, she she can go for shots. Um, you know, there are only a few out there like her. Maybe Sarah Jane Perry. She she pulls off shots here uh, from anywhere. Yes. But Nora does yes, too. Yes, yeah. Nora, Nora is very creative on court, and and obviously, as you grow older, the game gets more and more attritional, especially on the women's side now. How fitter they become, how uh, um, how uh, how much of a higher pace they're playing at. Uh, so you need to have a better foundation every day as you grow older and you uh, go deeper into the professional tour. But the one thing that she never wants to lose is her, is her creativity because it's probably her number or maybe her number two strength after number one being feisty and, and very um, uh, resilient. Uh, resilient. I would say her, uh, yeah, in terms of squash, her creativity is the number one uh, strength. So she never wants to lose that. So it's always about... Uh, finding the right balance between having a good base and a good foundation, but also not dampening her talent. Well, let's hope, uh, you know, she, she probably, she has nothing to lose. That's probably how she's uh, heading into this one. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. but with that, with that in mind, she could be very dangerous. I, I, I certainly hope so. And I, and I think the first match is going to be uh, the most important because it's the match that is going to hopefully, if she comes through it, throw the nerves away uh, after a couple of months out. And w- hopefully, hopefully, because she's got a very tough opponent in the first round and Sana Ibrahim, uh, another Egyptian coming up. And if hopefully, hopefully, if she comes through it, I'm very confident that she will uh, be playing uh, very well for the, for the rest of the week. Absolutely. Now, uh, you alluded to it uh, mm-hmm. just a second ago, Ali, uh, talking about the, the World Open, uh, the landscape there of the, uh, on the men's side of the draw. Uh, I talked to uh, Johnny Williams uh, about it uh, just recently, and uh, at least, you know there are five definite you know contenders, and then there are ten who could you know uh, contend as well. There are at least ten guys. You never know what's going to happen. So, uh, just how how mm-hmm. exciting for you is it? I mean, you've got Paul Cole potentially in a, in the quarterfinals. 
That's crazy. Yeah, no, it is as <laughs> as a fan, it is very, very exciting. But yeah. as a player, as the tournament approaches, you really don't think or you don't look at any of the contenders, you don't see the entire landscape. You see only one line of the draw, and that is Ramit Tandon. If I win, uh, I play whoever, and then if I so my focus is now is Ramit Tandon. And then if if I win, I focus on the next match, and if I win, and and so on and so forth. Uh, obviously, the further the tournament is, yes, you start thinking about your opponents, your main contenders, and how good they are. But then, as the tournament approaches, you really see nothing but your first round. And at the moment, uh, I, I, um, whenever I think about the world champs, I don't see myself except in that court number one on the federation court playing against Ramit Tenden and how I'm going to deal with it. Right on. Yes. Well, um, obviously, uh, now mm-hmm. the elephant in the room uh, is uh, the Mustafa Saul, and he's uh, coming back from his ban. Um, and we don't know uh, how that's going to play out. Hopefully, uh, he's changed uh, his mm-hmm. movement patterns and dealt with the issues, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that have caused the ban. So uh, just wondering, mm-hmm. uh, without going into the potential matchup, sort how much how much more of a threat do you think he is now, given the circumstances that he's had to go through? Because obviously, a young guy... A young guy like that having to deal with, you know, maybe he feels the world is against him. Now he's coming yeah, back. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to make him any more dangerous because he's already dangerous enough. He's extremely, extremely dangerous. You don't reach the world number one at the age of twenty-one if you're not an extremely good player. And he is uh, one, uh, one heck of a good player. I mean, I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. It's. Um, I mean, he's got everything in the book. Really, he's very explosive, extremely explosive. Uh, he's got lots of winners. Uh, his length game is is uh, is very uh, is very solid. And then he picks up a lot of balls back, uh, and he's becoming fitter and fitter every day. So I, I think Mustafa is always going to be dangerous, regardless of the of the circumstances leading up leading up to the to the event. And uh, um, obviously, when when he plays the brand of squash that he can, uh, we all know he can. Uh, he's he's uh, he's extremely extremely um, dangerous, and he definitely gives himself a very good chance of winning every event that he plays. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I talked to, I used to support him a lot more uh, in the past, and I still do mm-hmm. actually. But I, I, I mean, he does have mm-hmm. issues with, with his movement, and I think he, he, mm-hmm. I hopefully he recognizes that as a player. You know, I'm not asking you to go out and throw him under the bus or anything, but mm-hmm. as a player who you've had mm-hmm. some awkward matches with him, uh, if mm-hmm. or what does he need to do to just sort of fix the little things in terms of his movement? Yeah. To, to avoid well, well uh, yeah obviously it's not for me to talk about any other player whether it be mustafa or any or anyone because we've all got our issues whether it be squash wise or 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 non squash uh, issues that we with our parents with our coaches need to deal with so of mm-hmm. of course he he will have uh, or uh, I, I certainly hope that we'll have the right team behind him to tell him what he needs to do and what he needs to do and what he needs not to do uh, for me i just need to focus on how I, with every opponent I deal with, how I can get around the things that they're doing, whether it be squash or non-squash uh, things. And uh, again, it's not for me, it's not a topic for me to be uh, discussing. All I need to be discussing is how I deal with with the Paul Cole uh, stamina, with with the Mustafa Asal uh, explosivity, with the Mohamed Shorbagi experience. I, I don't 
think of how can Paul Cole improve that or how can Mustafa improve this? You know what I mean? So it's, mm-hmm. I think it's up to him. But for uh, for me, um, I just look forward to playing my first match. And if I get to play either Paul or Mustafa or any of those experienced players, I'll I'll hopefully have the right plan to uh, to uh, combat their uh, their uh, strengths. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you, you deal with what's in front of you on the day and you prepare. Exactly. You're prepared for that. And uh, mm-hmm. that's the, the recipe for success. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, exactly. You can only control what you can, what you can control, really. Yes, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, uh, you and I uh, are both sponsored by uh, Open Squash. Which is fantastic. Yes. Now, tell us uh, about. Uh, it's fantastic. We're we're going to do a little open squash fan forum questions, if you don't mind. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, please. Sponsored by Open Squash, but uh, for me personally, I mean, I I just really think the the idea of Open Squash is fantastic. It's opening the door and bringing in people who to give them a better opportunity to to play squash in an area which uh, is you know it's it's quite expensive an expensive sport to. Uh, to get into absolutely absolutely i mean the, the name gives it all away really i mean it's really opening the door for 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 squash people and non-squash people to get into our beautiful sport and and they're basically doing that i mean uh, if you look back 20 years back especially in the new york area and 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 the east side of of the u.s people could just walk in and pay a, a, a decent fee and just get on a squash court. Now you either have to be a member of a very, very expensive private club, or you have to play in a, in one of the urban programs, which are brilliant, uh, but they only serve the, the underprivileged uh, uh, kids who want to play the sport. But if you're just a, a middle-class citizen and you just want to walk in and, 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 don't pay a, an extremely expensive amount to get on a squash court. This hasn't become available in the, in the United States, unfortunately. And I don't blame any of the of the clubs because of the 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 hefty prices of the real estate, landmark lands, and stuff like that. Uh, but really, open squash has has come to revolutionize that, and they've uh, they've pretty much given access to anyone who wants to get on a squash court with whatever amount they can pay. And and. Honestly, Jerry, I've been in this sport for almost 28 years now, 20, no, not that long, 25 years maybe. And uh, I can't tell you how many people, especially on the professional tour, how many people have uh, approached me and approached my fellow peers and telling us, oh, we need to do this for the sport. Uh, we're going to do this to revolutionize the sport. We, This is our plan. We're going to take the sport to the next level. If I had saved a penny for every time I, w- I was told this sentence, I think I would have been a billionaire by now. And not a single, yeah. I don't want to say not a single one, but a very, very, very handful of people who've said that have actually done and, and, and have actually gone and done something. And David Allen and his team have really, uh, actually, they haven't spoken about it before actually implementing it, which is extremely, yeah. extremely, which is extremely respectable because they, they're not doing it for the fame, for the fame, they're not doing it for, uh, like the respect of people, they're doing it because they love the sport. They see a future for this sport and they want to give more and more access to uh, to anyone who really wants to get uh, his hands on a, on a on a racket, on a squash racket. So they're they're basically opening up 
more and more facilities now they've got one in uh, in um, in uh, next to Grand Central Station another one is opening up in in the financial district then a third one hopefully in the Brooklyn area um, later next year and and I'm sure you know about the project that they're working on now as well and uh, which is very very exciting and I'm not sure how much we can give away about that but uh, it, it it just to to have someone as driven as David and Cleve and and everyone who's involved in the in the open squash community. And to be fair, I have, I, I've, I've, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely proud to be associated with this uh, with this organization. And I, I, as I keep saying to anyone I talk to, I really do think that at the moment it's the best organization uh, in the sport. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I had a panel mm-hmm. discussion with them on growing the, with uh, several people, including inclusive of a Cleve on growing the game. And Cleve is uh, his passion and love for the game is so infectious, and you can just see, um, you know, what he's doing. He he's really he's all in, right? Those guys are all in. He is. He just is. in terms he of uh, like looking at Egypt. I mean, um, I, I was talking to Kareem Darwish, and he was telling me about a junior tournament. 900 juniors in uh, like a it was a week long junior tournament i mean yeah that's unheard yeah, of yeah well that, that that's the beauty of egypt to be honest and uh, uh growing up obviously it wasn't as many players but growing up we used to play a tournament almost every other weekend or or you would miss two weekends and then the third weekend you would have a tournament maximum and and that what really brings the best out of players you're playing matches uh uh, at, at least two tournaments every week I mean every every month uh, and it just brings the best out of you and it lifts all players up uh, you've just got the competition and you're really eager to uh, to to become the best uh, obviously unfortunately a lot of uh, players are filtered out of the funnel which is not great for those players but if you talk purely from a from the sports point of view it's brilliant because you're always going to have the best talents that are are being uh, are coming out of uh, out of this funnel as as top top players um and the good thing is that you play all age groups at the same time so we also at the age of 10 11 I grew up watching the 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 under 19s uh, how good they are how how professional, more, much more professional they are than you are at the age of ten, and just learn from them. And uh, I think the system is brilliant back home. Brilliant, yes, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I just thought that was amazing. Nine hundred in in uh, in one junior mm-hmm. uh, uh, mm-hmm. just speaks mm-hmm. to, you know, it, it is possible to to create this type of interest. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. Now the the open squash uh, fan uh, fan forum questions. Question number one. Okay, it comes yeah. from <laughs> it comes from uh, actually a guy here from Dubai, Vince Lee here in Dubai. Uh, he was amazed yeah. uh, at your energy levels at the British Open despite fasting. Uh, so you went into yeah. uh, you went into it a bit in one of your match, uh, one of the interviews after I think it was the semifinal or something, uh, and you yeah. talked a little bit about that. But in a nutshell, uh, Vince would like to know uh, what was the key to keeping your levels that high or was it more of a mental thing yeah i would say the the key was was the mindset uh you really you really can do anything if you let your mind believe that you can uh, in a way you know if 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 you keep convincing yourself that you can play a match while you're fasting you can play a match while you're fasting if you if you start convincing yourself that you can yes it's going to be tiring at the beginning but then 
it's amazing how the body adapts to it. Uh, and I'd been training all, all month for it. And not only this month, but every Ramadan since I was born, we've we, since I started playing squash, really, we've been training through Ramadan before breaking our fast. So we're used to it. Uh, yes, in, in the previous years, I was always wary of, of playing tough or doing tough sessions before Iftar. This... Uh, this uh, this this year, I took it up a, a notch to prepare for the British Open. And once you do it, you really get used to it. So I played with Tariq Momin uh, in the quarters and we were both fasting and we discussed it afterwards. And we both really felt that it was like any other match. You don't even think it when you're on court anymore. So I would like to give myself credit for it, but it, it, it really is like any other match. Like and, and I would be taking credit away from my opponents. And if I said that I was playing at even 99%. I was playing at 110 like any other tournament that I was uh, I was playing at. So it, it's just once you put your mind to it, uh, it's really not that hard, to be honest. So is this something like you you prepared mm -hmm. for? Obviously, you you, you prepared mm -hmm. for doing this in the in the lead up to a tournament. You you prepared yourself. Yes. So, for it, right? so the couple of weeks between maybe not even a couple of weeks, 10 days, I don't remember how many days exactly between the Optasia event and the British Open, I would train uh, every day before breaking my fight, sometimes even two sessions to be able to get used to it and, and for my body to adapt to it. Uh, and then and then once once I was there, th maybe that was the tough bit. Maybe that, that is the bit that I might give my, myself credit for. But once you're there at the, at the tournament, it really is not that... It's not a big deal. Like you're not thinking it going into the match. Oh, I'm, I'll have to do this because I'm fasting. I'm afraid that I'm, my energy reserves are gonna. You don't think it anymore. If your energy reserves are gone during a match because you're fasting, then let it be. I mean, I'm not going to complain there. But you don't want to lose a match because you're overthinking that I'm gonna have. I have to play this way because I'm going to get tired before uh, the norm. You know, uh, you just give your best. And honestly, I played very, very tough matches against very tough players. And I felt my energy reserves like any other match. So I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky in that regard, I guess. But it also has to do with the preparations and the mindset leading up to the tournament. Absolutely, yeah. Now, uh, another uh, a huge fan of yours, actually. I know he, he communicates with you on a regular basis. Tabs Singh. I don't know if you know Tabs. Oh, Tabs from Vancouver. Of course I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he's got a he's got a question. Yeah. <laughs> I think he started yeah, answering yeah, it earlier, yeah. but uh, yeah. he would like to know about the potential the the quarterfinal match with with Paul Cole. Uh, yeah. uh, Paul, uh, he he seems to think that Paul has been able to neutralize you with um, playing it slow and hitting it high. Uh, yeah. Given you know, I guess with any player, you know, you have to deal with with that kind of mm -hmm. uh, you know the, these circumstances. Uh, so how how do you uh, deal with that going in, into a match where a player's had success against you maybe a little mm -hmm. bit so obviously you're you're going to change things up a bit i guess yeah no i mean paul is paul is a brilliant player if you look at his uh, at his uh, pathway all the way up to the top of the rankings uh, how much he's changed his his game and his approach um uh, it's it's brilliant. I mean, he was he was and still is very physical, but he was playing at 100 miles an hour without really 
having a clear game plan on how to beat each specific opponent. Now that he's moved to coach uh, to be coached by Rob Owen uh, a few years back, they've they've uh, drawn out a plan for every opponent, and they have a clear plan on how to play uh, against me. And I know that for a fact. And but I'm also very blessed blessed to have Karim Darwish in my corner, uh, Noor, Mike Way, and everyone who come who can come up with with very good plans. And uh, we've been having uh, good uh, battles back and forth uh, for the past few years. Uh, obviously, both of us. This season hasn't been our best yet for different reasons. So we would go. We would be both gunning to uh, to uh, to win that world championships if we can. Um, so the, I think if if and, and I would say it's a big if because we both have to go three big matches first. Uh, get to uh, to play each other again against each other in the in the quarterfinal. It's going to be a very interesting one. How each one of us is going to neutralize what they're going to do because. Uh, I, I got the better of, of Paul at, at, at the pyramids with me implementing my own game plan and, and trying to be more attacking, whereas he did better at Canary Wharf trying to uh, elongate the rallies and, and neutralize my attacks, I guess. So whoever is going to be uh, more brave and, and more consistent and more uh, believing in their game plan and, and trying to implement them uh, or implement it uh, in the best way possible is going to come out on top. Uh, as simple as that but it's not only about Paul it's, don't you think it's that that's the case against any other opponent like obviously I'm always going to be who I am and I'm going to have my clear identity on court but you always tweak how you do things against different opponents so I, w- I would play against Paul differently than I would play against Muhammad differently than I would play against Mustafa so it's it's always the case uh, I, I really do hope if we get to each other that I'm going to implement my game plan better than his but yeah. if he does, then... Uh, yeah, and and, and uh, another thing, too, I was thinking about this. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's not going to be stupid enough to think, oh, I'm just going to do the same thing again. Yeah. That's not... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. And, 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 honestly, and honestly, Paul is one of the guys, like uh, many of the other top players that had, had got me back in the drawing board and let, let me work on things because he'd come up with new things that made me... Uh, realize that I need to uh, to be better in this area in that department. So uh, I would like to think that we all do that to each other. So uh, which I think is brilliant because that really is what lifts our games up, and that's what the fans want to see. They want to see a better level in every event. Fantastic! One more open squash. Yeah, of course. No, go ahead. Forum. Go ahead. Open squash no. fans forum right yes. here. Yes. Yes. Neil Stonewig. Neil Stonewig from uh, from Scotland somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a man. I know Neil a little bit. He's uh, yeah. over fifty-five or over sixty. Uh, sorry, Irish national champion. Um, ah, nice. Former Irish national champion in Masters. He would like to know the keys to anticipating uh, the way that you do, knowing, uh, being able to read the game the way that you. Yeah. Do. Some fundamentals, Ali. Well, fu- f- there are a lot of fundamentals, but I would say the biggest one is your your shot accuracy and your shot selection. So if you put your opponent in a in a place where they've got very limited options to play, it's easier to anticipate the next shot. So let's say you play uh, a very good drive or a very deep shot in the back corner that you can only play off a boost off of it. You're always going to anticipate the boost before they play. So think about that in every corner of, of, the, um, of, the, of the court. If you play a very tight drop shot, uh, on either side, it is extremely hard to play a straight drive off of it. 
So you know that either it's going to be a counter drop or a cross court. So you, you tweak your T position according to that. So your T position, you're going to be leaning a little bit towards across to the cross court because you know they can play a straight drive. Obviously, in the top level, now they can do any any shot from any uh, uh, from any tough situation. But you get the idea. So your shots, your shot accuracy is number one. Your movement patterns. So I, I when I was younger, I used to have uh, a great coach, Ashraf Hanafi, who I still talk to sometimes now. After every session, he would let me walk for five ten minutes on the court. I wasn't allowed to run to memorize the most efficient ways or footsteps to get into into and out of every corner. And once you do that, it becomes automatic on court. You don't really think which step you take first, or or uh, but then you do it in the most efficient way. Think about it like driving. When you first drive, especially a manual shift or a manual shaft, I should say, it's you think, okay, now I need to uh, to change to the first and then to the second and then to the reverse, and then I have to hit the clutch. These things are very you do it very consciously. But once it becomes uh, uh, one, the more and more you do it, it becomes so automated in your head that you don't think it anymore. So that's exactly what my coach Ashraf Hanafi wanted me to do. He wanted me to master the fact that I move very efficiently on court without thinking it. So I had to do that for years and years. So now today I, I still do it, believe it or not. I, I don't walk anymore, but I still do a lot of ghosting and a lot of work on my footwork to be to make sure that I always reach every um, every corner of the court or every inch of the court in the most efficient way. Uh, so that also helps a lot with your anticipating. If you know that you can back it up with your movement, you take a, a, a fraction of a second earlier going to that direction, anticipating where the shot is going, knowing that you're going to get there in the fastest way possible. And if not, you can, you can recover. Uh, I would say the other bit is studying your opponents really well. So I... Uh, I'm, I'm, everyone knows and they make fun of me, my, my fellow peers, that I'm a squash fanatic. I, I, I watch a lot of squash. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's not like I'm watching to learn. Like even when I wasn't on the tour, I would watch a lot of squash. Uh, so I, I do watch a lot of the games being played and you just get an idea of how each opponent plays when, when, they're, when they're taking the ball at that timing with that positioning. This is the most likely uh, outcome of their shot. So you know, you, you see patterns after a while. So if I had to sum it up, it's your shot accuracy, your movement patterns, and studying your opponents. Obviously, there are other aspects to it, but those are the three things that help the most with your anticipation. Yeah, walking around the court is, uh, I mean, I, I, I like to watch a lot of squash myself, and one guy who walks yeah. around the court when he plays is Jan Shetan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is this a guy I that some of his matches back. him about, quite a bit? or? Well, unfortunately not, because when I was growing up, YouTube was not really uh, available as much as it was today. And it was hard to get your hand on a videotape of Janshar. So I, I, I just learned from, from my coaches and obviously from the great players that came out of Egypt as well. But unfortunately, I didn't have the chance to watch much of Janshar Khan when I was younger. As I grew older, I started looking back and, and looking. But honestly, you have to adapt to each era as well, because they used to play at a, for, with a higher ten, uh, with, with longer longer games because of the scoreline. So it was it was a little different. Now the pace is a lot higher, yeah. and there was a lot more volume than it used to be. So you have to adapt to that as well. Your, your first split step is not always to the back corners. Your first split step is usually sideways trying to anticipate the volley and if it doesn't work then you go backwards and 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 play from the back corner so 
it's a little different in that regard, but certainly, I mean, uh, whenever I'm, I'm, I'm mentioned in the same sentence as Jan Shekhan, it, uh, it feels unreal, to be honest. Uh, one last question. Uh, Michelle Smelter yeah, sure. from Calgary. Uh, she's, yeah. uh, she's studying engineering uh, like you. Yeah. You studied engineering yeah. at Harvard. And uh, she mentioned uh, that uh, I think she said she heard you say in an inter- interview that when you retire, you want to go back and give back to Egypt, what you've learned, what you learned at Harvard through your your mm-hmm. uh, mechanical engineering degree. So is that still mm-hmm. something? Obviously, it is something you want to do. And how? Uh, what? What? Should, what are your? What's your vision there, Ali? Hundred percent. So the plan is to stay in Egypt and try to do something that is going to help the economy. Is going to uh, to to make my country flourish in a way or another. Um, when when I gave that interview, I remember it was when, when I graduated. It was more focused on the solar energy and 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 electrical power uh, kind of uh, um, thinking at the time. Uh, now this is not off the charts, but it's not the only uh, way I'm, I'm thinking now. I my we have we have a family business in the farming industry. My brother and my cousin are taking care of it at the, at the moment. And I'm keeping myself as involved as I can. Obviously, it's so hard with the tournaments and with the training and everything. So I'm trying to keep myself in the loop and learning as much as possible so that I can join them. Whether it be in the farming business or I'm going to do something sports related or I'm going to do something in the solar energy, it's all up in the air. Um, whether it, it's going to be something in squash, who knows? But the plan is to always stay in Egypt and do something with the family uh, that hopefully is going to, uh, to, to make a difference, even if a very, very, very small part. That's the goal. Whether I'm going to be able to achieve it, again, God knows it's all up in the air. Whether I'm going to be uh, retiring tomorrow or in 10 years' time, God knows. So it's so many different variables that it's hard to, uh, to uh, exactly say what I'm going to do. But the idea is to stay at home do something with the family uh, using hopefully my degree that's been left in the drawer ever since I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, uh, yeah. well Ali, uh, really appreciate uh, taking the time out today. And I just want to wish you uh, uh, all yeah. the best going for three in a row at the World Championships. Uh, this is a, oh, wow. an exciting time oh, yeah. to be British Open champion yeah. going for three in a row. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you, Jerry. It's been a pleasure and uh, hopefully we'll catch up uh, sometime soon again. Well, definitely, Ali looks ready, sounds ready. I think he is ready for the World Open. Many thanks to him for taking the time out just a few days away from the World Open. Uh, All the best to him and Nor uh, heading into that event. Now, uh, coming up uh, on the pod, we've got David Campion, head coach of the English national team, fresh off an English double at the uh, European Championships where both the men and women came back with top spots. So we're going to break all that down and uh, really uh, interested uh, in talking about uh, both the men's and women's, but obviously Mohamed El-Sherbagi playing for the first time for England and in dramatic fashion had a huge win over Victor Cruen in the um, in the men's final, uh, the second match of the evening there, I believe it was. And uh, also, it's been a minute or two since we've had the Rob Dinnerman on the pod. I'm really looking forward to having him on uh, next week. We're going to break a lot of uh, stuff uh, in terms of U.S. squash, probably a bit of squ- uh, U.S. doubles, U.S. college squash. He, he's uh, up to speed on that like no one else. And then, uh, no doubt, uh, we'll talk a bit about the World Open, uh, U.S. interest there, and 
and, and the Open in general. And uh, he usually has a book or two uh, in the works or having just been released, so I'm sure we'll be uh, discussing that as well. So Rob Dinnerman next week. We'll be talking to you all very soon. Enjoy your squash and enjoy the World Open. It's going to be fantastic. Goodbye now.